So I really think this is a disruptive moment in time like the iPhone moment was. And that's why the acceleration of the possibilities, this is what we will see in the next coming months. Welcome to a brand new episode of our podcast, Human and AI, Mind Machines and the Gradients and... Thanks for tuning in to our geeky podcast to discuss the fascinating field of AI and machine learning, corporate craziness, passion for technology, and the essential role of humans. I'm Aubrey, and with me is the ever-enthusiastic Uli, and we are your hosts for this very special episode, where we have invited one guest. Oh, wow, 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 wow. Not one guest, right? That's not enough, definitely not enough for this very, very special episode, actually. Okay, 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 you win. Let's double the excitement and go for two fantastic guests. Still not enough, still not enough, Aubrey. <sighs> What about three guests? Nah. All right, all right. Let's go all in. Today we have not one, not two, not three, but four genius minds joining us for a deep dive into the world of AI. Our topic, none other than ChatGPT. Specifically, we're going to explore some of the real-world ChatGPT use cases at Siemens. That's dope, right? The hype around ChatGPT seemed to be real. It kicked off last year in November, the rich somehow, right? With a high adoption rate, not as anything before. Executive office is asking for it. People were starting using it at, at a significant lightning speed. 100 million active users in just two months and now reached over 180 million. It's a tool, it's a software that makes waves around the world in AI. Absolutely. It's a real game changer that somehow really democratized the access to AI and made, made it also kind of tangible to everyone out there. And it also has, has set the stage for numerous new AI use cases. But where exactly did the use cases for today's episode come from? Uli, do you remember? I guess that starts already within a bit of an ideation session and, and competition actually along the line from the Siemens AI Lab, you know, organized on the meetup and preparation. A lot of colleagues actually, you know, thought and picked up their ideas on groundbreaking, you know, usage of GPT alongside with keynote speaks and discussions. And today, more than half a year later, we are running late, right? We feel humbled and, uh, and honored to all of them right here with us. So... What progress has been made? What are the ideas actually? How are, are they becoming already real use cases? And most, uh, most importantly, who are the awesome minds behind these ideas? Let's get it here. Yeah, and you were just pinpointing to it. So we want to get to know the awesome minds behind the ideas. So let me start by shortly introducing Bettina Rotermund, Head of Strategy and Analyst Relations at the Siemens Accelerator. She's passionate about both people and digital transformation. And she's over 20 years of extensive experience in sales and marketing and strategy and business development. So quite, quite some cool stuff out there with a focus on IoT and digital transformation. 
So next up, we have none other than Armin Haslik, uh, a software geek, I would say, right? He worked on really, really cool stuff. I know it by myself uh, with burning passion for Gen AI, automation and data. Armin is a real coder who brings a lively and lively mixture of technical expertise and performance motivation in the table. His expertise in technology combined with his growth mindset made him just the right guest for this show. And next to that, he was a winner, right? And <laughs> next up, we have none other than Markus Probst, Global Category Manager at Siemens Mobility. And he has a passion for industrial engineering and a flair for, I'd say, lightning fast, high quality programming. And since he's in the mobility space, and uh, one might award him with the title of a Formula One programmer. There we go. Last but not certainly not least, let's give a warm welcome to Bar Cohen as well as a data scientist for Siemens PLM software. He's the master of data and known for performing magical feasts, is that? With numbers and information, applying AI for the good and always coming up with new stuff. But enough of an introduction, welcome everyone here. So Bettina, we are already super keen to learn more about your idea. However, first, we want to get to know you a little bit better. So in the introduction, we heard a bit about the head of strategy and analyst relations at Siemens Accelerator. So there was quite a buzz. I think everybody in the earth has heard something around Siemens Accelerator. But can you maybe share a little bit what's the Accelerator's core missions here? Sure. So we want to help customers to go easier, faster, and future-proof through their digital transformation. And for this, we are creating a one-stop shop, a platform, business platform. You know this from your private life, maybe from Airbnb is the platform for finding the right flat for your vacation. Uber is the platform for ride-hailing, stuff like that. So we want to do that for the industry, for digital transformation, bringing everything that customers need together at one point from Siemens and partners so that this hopping around the Internet and finding all these kind of thousands of information that they could not make any meaning out of it. So we want to stop that and provide a place where they find help, guidance, consulting the right products and um, the right partners to get going. Yeah, so that's 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 an intention. Um, and uh, obviously, we already have plenty of products on Siemens Accelerator from Siemens and our partners like AWS, Microsoft, Accenture, Vigilant, Sistera, so big and small partners. And um, as we are scaling right now, it will become growingly difficult for customers to find the stuff that they need, because then if they type in something like, I want sustainability, they might end up with 50 different offerings. So at that point, when we are looking into the future, that this could happen pretty soon, we said we need to have something that gives them a little bit more guidance in finding the right appropriate solution to their needs. And a human could do that, but then um, ChatGPT um, emerged on the horizon, and we thought that might be a good idea to test how ChatGPT could sort a little bit the stuff for our customers. No, that's uh, really cool stuff, um, and I think uh, it will be a real game changer for for the future. W and it's so cool that you already touched upon um, the the idea you brought up. So combining the Siemens Accelerator, which offers so many different things to support your customers, and uh, really making use of ChatGPT. So where do you see the the greatest um, USP of your um, of your idea of your product, and what impact? Can you can you imagine that it will have um, for Siemens in the end? 
Yeah, see, you always said Siemens Accelerator um, should make digital transformation or digitalization for customer easier. And to find the right solutions is really of the essence, especially for mid-sized companies, because they don't have a CDO or CIO most of the time. These people working there, they carry multiple hats. That's why finding the right solution might be difficult for them. And if you imagine you're standing in front of a shelf full of thousands of products that all look the same, how would you make a differentiation? And what would be your, your guiding way through the plethora of offerings? And the second thing that we thought could help or that ChatGPT could really make a difference is our customers tend to use normal language. We at Siemens tend to use very engineering language, so very technical language. And hence, the most of our products, they are described in a very technical way, while most of our customers search for a business need that they, they have and want to have a solution for this one. And this is where we usually end up in a, in a little bit of a friction. We, we need to learn what they say when they mean, I want to decarbonize. And what does that mean for them? Decarbonize until when and, and where and how? And so we thought if they could use their natural language and just ask ChatGPT on our platform, uh, I'm a vendor for a automotive uh, factory and I want to decarbonize my production because my automotive customer requires on scope two that I also decarbonize for them to have a better CO2 footprint. So this is what they can tell because mm -hmm. this is a very clear task they have, but find that on the platform it's close to impossible because we do have decarbonization offerings and we do have sustainability offerings, but we sort them in the way of automotive or we sort them in the way of a horizontal. So this is where we trained our ChatGPT on filtering out what is the real need of a customer and presenting a couple of solutions in the first place. And then the customer can use the agent like a dialogue, a normal dialogue you would have with a person of drilling down the offerings to a couple of offerings where they can differentiate between three or five and not between 20, because that's simply impossible. So how does it mean? So that means it impacts uh, on a, like a companion or like an assistant, an online assistant. So the client and the customers or partners go onto the website and then they see a little little bot interaction there and uh, which uh, exactly which says like hi yeah uh, is it does does the system have a name uh n not yet we are we are fighting over a name um, actually um oh, and, and it, it spans all from from einstein to uh roland and everything and in between so let's see what we come up with in the end but this is exactly what we envision and also for us this is the first stage of having this simple um like an agent mm. or a companion that filters down all the relevant yeah. information to you need but then also in the future we, en we envision that to be a real companion that would you know have more or deeper recommendation on what is possible so that it's not only looking mm -hmm. kind of backwards, this is in the information we, ha we have feed it in or we have fed in, but these are informations that mm -hmm. might fit to you as a customer. As I know more about your customer, I can recommend things mm -hmm. like we would do uh, predictions or prescriptions on machine base. Um, and of course that requires a complete new data set that we are training to the mm -hmm. machine because also the questions that our customers are interested in we do not have that much information about them. I'm giving you an example. If a customer ends up with five offerings um, on the platform 
and the customer would ask, mm -hmm. now, chatbot, tell me which of them has a return of investment under one year. This is, of course, a question that is high on the agenda for customers, but do we have this knowledge already available mm. as a tag yeah, in, in metadata? That is something mm. where we now see where we need to train the engine in order to come up with the right uh, suggestions. So maybe that's a call out also to the audience, right? You have a good name for the accelerator companion, the virtual assistant that shall be launched. Hey, bring it, bring it into the comments below, right? Um, let's let's hear your voice. Let's hear your ideas. You know, maybe you have even somehow an implicit or direct impact on, on a new offering that has been launched. And maybe, Bettina, you can share a little bit where you are currently standing with your idea. So you already like touched upon some things, but I don't know, are there like, is there already a set of test users? Um, yeah. Should we um, maybe ask the audience if they want to join in or where are you right now? Is it like completely rolled out or? Yeah, we're, we're testing it heavily. And um, actually, the first results already were so promising. We were really astonished about the capability of what we saw there in the first place. So it was really amazing because we wanted to uh, have the prompts um, and showing where um, ChatGPT got the results from. And they were mm -hmm. so, so good and so relevant and so right because we said, okay, the machine or the, the engine might hallucinate more. So that's why we came up with this disclaimer. If the machine recommends you uh, a lemon juice, then it might be a hallucination. Let us know about um, instead of having an S7 uh, 1500 failsafe. So mm -hmm. nothing like that happened so far. That's why we're pretty happy. And we have a couple of different test users because we want to use this companion for different sets of, of people and for different segments. The one is the customers, and we're testing that with a customer group. Um, and of course, their prompts and their queries are completely different than ours, which is good because then you, you get the stability in the system for what customers in, in real life would use it for. But also we let a lot of our salespeople test it because we also want our salespeople to use it as a recommendation engine for their customers. You know, we, we have different um, departments inside Siemens. So what the one department is trained on, maybe the other one does not know. But if a customer has a desire and um, our salespeople would use Siemens Accelerator also as their internal catalog, that means they would search for products offering services um, the same time, but maybe in a different manner than customers. And at the same time, we also use our dear analyst friends that, of course, have a different view on this and look from the outside in and also help us to understand and test and train um, the algorithms behind it. But that's that's pretty tough, is it? Pretty tough challenges. You need to embrace unleashing somehow the, the capability of GPT technology, right? Onto the end customers and clients and in some kind of manner. You know, how do we make sure that these systems are actually not, you know, not only hallucinating, uh, bringing, you know, news, coming up with new stuff, which may be not reality and hallucination, is that the word, I guess, what I'm looking for? And on the other side, how do you make sure that uh, the knowledge is continuously learning? I, I think that's, uh, it's, you're, you're challenging very, very important aspects there, right? Uh, absolutely. How and you, that's why I mean, in going further. Yeah, you need to make sure that the system is as accurate as ever possible. And also this defines the way you're training it and the, the way you feed information um, into the ChatGPT module. 
Um, at the same time, we said nothing is ever perfect, but you can be as good as you are in this very moment in time. That's why when we send it out live, there will be a disclaimer that says mm -hmm. something. If the system offers you lemon juice, um, it probably has um, hallucinates and let us know. Um, and we will mm -hmm. be behind it. So far, it did not, mm -hmm. which is astonishing. So we wait um, until we are live and whether ChatGPT waited for this moment in time going live and then hallucinating uh, pretty much. But this is exactly <laughs> the way to keep the information yeah. in and also have a mm -hmm. recurring feedback loop. If something happens and customer would detect an anomaly, they would let us know and we can mm -hmm. look into the system. And um, it is, of course, demanding, um, as, as I said, we do not have all the tags, all the meta-level information that are required to fulfill the needs of customers straight away. But that's the nature of Siemens Accelerator. Mm. We said we are sending it out um, to create it with customers and partners for customers and partners. And we see a huge mm. willingness from customers and partners to start with something that is maybe not perfect in the first run, but they have the opportunity to shape it with their interactions. And that's why we tested mm. the, the waters pretty early with partners and developers and customers. Would you use that? And they said, of course, because it is a help, a support to find the right solutions. And they would be anyway better off with that companion than without. And that's why there will be, of course, the traditional search way in, in putting a couple of, of tick in the boxes and then you end up with the right recommendations for your, your needs. But at the same time, this natural and large language models, they really help to bridge what is a customer need and what is the dedicated offering we or our partners hold in place for them. It's so much simpler. And mm. for the simplicity, they are willing to accept that something is not flawless in the first place. That's very beautiful and very powerful at the same time to combine something that's not completely perfect yet, but inviting your, your customers to also shape it and to also have as an essential part of it that feedback loop so you can always improve, but also you can be at the market or you can go out quickly um, to the market. So that's super cool. And we're, we're excited to see where, where your journey will lead you. And maybe if you already have a look into your crystal ball, can you maybe share with us where you, you see um, the project, the ChatGPT assistant or the companion in maybe a year from, from now? Is there anything yeah. you want to have achieved by then? So, so Uli knows me, my crystal ball is really big. Um, and so <laughs> I, I, I'm True. usually the one that has this crazy vision and then I throw them onto some developers and they have a bad bad time afterwards. So I really do see that um, by the speed that we see that ChatGPT4 over ChatGPT3 has, um, and, and if you look at where it was one year ago and, and how much it excelled um, until now, I do think that it will help us to be able to really have something like a personal agent that you can form by your needs and that would help you to, to drive your digital journey by crafting it for you figuring out you're a customer X and you have the following desires. So I would recommend you this customer journey or this digital journey. And it com is compiled out of different elements and different tools and different offerings that we would present as one journey for you. So it's, I think it will run more into a prescription 
rather than just in the here and now, this is what you can do, but looking ahead. I hope that we will manage to be there in one year from now, but that is uh, definitely um, something that, that I envision. And I mean, if you follow a couple of, of, of podcasts, also my one of my, my favorite one next to this one is Hard Fork from Kevin Roos and um, uh, Casey Newton. They talk about ChatGPT now for a year and the beginning were so crappy. And now this is a system that is so powerful in so many dimensions. So I really think this is a disruptive moment in time like the iPhone moment was. And that's why the acceleration of the possibilities, this is what we will see in the next coming months. Yeah, that's that's a good segue. And actually, coming for the different impact factors, right? Uh, sometimes they 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 refer to the four C's: content, coding, customer, and creativity. Um, we heard now a great example about you know streamlining customer interaction, renaissance of chatbots and companions, but AI powered companions in accelerated speed using GPT and large language technologies. So let's talk about the second pillar of, of impact with code, right? And that brings us directly to Armin, actually, isn't it, Arby? Uh, yeah, yeah, certainly. And uh, Armin, we're so happy to have you here today. And before we start off, I have a cool question for you. So what's the, the, the fanciest, the coolest thing you've ever programmed? Well, uh... Thank you first uh, to having me here. Um, really nice introduction. Thank you for that. I'm really flattered. And a uh, really tough question at the beginning, to be uh, honest. Uh, what's the coolest program ever? Uh, basically, um, a program or code is always cool um, in a retro perspective. Uh, it used to be always uh, kind of, you know, you have this unsolvable task in the beginning and then you try to um, separate this into smaller chunks and then uh, to work through these one by one. And somehow, or hopefully you are at the end uh, with a good and final result. So, um, and that's why I would say that a cool program is always in the beginning also a complex one. So that's because the projects are always complex in the beginning. And I can remember one of my first um, uh, serious machines back then, I don't know, 15 years ago, um, it was in the area of high-speed high uh, placement. Uh, there was a quite uh, challenging task uh, to uh, find out the optimum path sequence uh, of how to uh, put um, electronic devices um, onto a circuit board. That was quite challenging and took a long, t uh, quite long time. And that's why I said uh, complex time and uh, cool afterwards is, is, is the relation. Um, nowadays, I would say, um, a cool program is the program if it's fast. So uh, I experienced this a lot a um, couple of months ago. And I, I like, by the way, I like to visualize things. So I uh, try to visualize um, um, a 3D point cloud where each of the dots uh, is a word. And uh, these words are uh, has been spoken in, in the German parliament. I know it sounds a little bit weird, but um, I find um, I found this was a publicly available uh, data set and it was quite interesting to me. So I tried to uh, visualize this. And um, uh, some weeks ago, actually, I asked ChatGPT to um, improve this a little bit uh, to have more um, yeah, let's say, um, yeah, really the latest news from the German Bundestag. So there are these uh, um, Bundestagsprotokolle, 
And um, because ChatGPT is not able really to give you the answer what was last week, you know, uh, it has been trained until, uh, I don't know, 2021, some, something like this. And um, so it's not able to, to really say what, uh, what happened last week or something like this. And um, yeah, I came up with the idea to um, develop a ChatGPT plugin with the help of ChatGPT, actually. That was really uh, a cool thing. And um, I can, I would say back then it would take me certainly a couple of, couple of days, I would say. But uh, with ChatGPT, it um, worked, uh, I think, in two or three hours it was uh, basically uh, finished. So just to say, uh, Somehow the 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 a cool project what was what used to be um, a complex in in the past now it is really um, uh, has been replaced by the words um, fast and cool something like this I would say yeah. fast and furious fast and furious <laughs> yeah you can say like this <laughs> exactly yeah. but I mean maybe to to catch a bit back so maybe for for the audience out there can you a bit of you know just share. What, what, where are you coming from? So what is, you know, what, what, are, what are you doing, right? And what is your relationship to AI? Yeah, basically, um, I'm, uh, I'm an electrician. Um, so I, I made an apprenticeship, um, I don't know, 30 years ago, nearly, I don't know. Um, and I studied uh, process automation. So um, I was um, traveling a lot. So I have a lot of experience um, to the out, outside world. So um, I know the serious machines and um, the problems which occur on, on lines and and special uh, machinery. Mm -hmm. So th this is basically my background. And um, I came up um, with AI or I, my interest began 2018, something like this. We had a, one of our first innovation week, week projects and there was the idea to um, make a bug prediction system. And so um, I dived um, a little bit into this topic and um, it it was really cool so since then i'm a totally um, <laughs> um let's say a data junkie something like this um so i like it a lot and uh, that's the relationship or uh, to, to ai and uh, of course we have a lot of um topics where we can use ai in our daily work so mm -hmm. um i'm trying to um yeah to develop some things uh, for our team and also for the project and um yeah, looking forward to uh, proceed also now with a new um, uh, best buddy on my side, ChatGPT. It's uh, much easier than before. And that brings directly to the aspect because one thing that you, you know, cool thing that you came up with and, you know, here in, is a winning, a winning idea was the debug assistant for Siemens code editors, right, in the context. Yeah. So can you, can you pitch that idea to the audience here? Yeah, of course. So um, <laughs> it is, um, it is, um, yeah, based also to my experience, uh, which I had a couple of years ago. So you can think of this um, like modern machinery is always equipped, um, let's say, with systems for um, automatic error detection. So you you have monitoring of end positions with sensors, for example. So that means um, there's always an action which is in initiated, and after a certain um, period of time. Um, you, you expect some feedback, right? So um, th this feedback can be a positive or a failure uh, reaction. And um, then this error message is shown to the user. That's a normal way. And I, I would say 90% of, of uh, all problems on the machine, they have these systems uh, showing you what the, fa uh, uh, the fault is. But you have also situations on machines um, 
that leads to these um, error states when the message is unclear or the message is not issued at all. So I can mm -hmm. remember I was on machines and uh, and the operator says, yeah, here, look, it's on an automatic mode, but nothing happens. So, and then you get in trouble. And um, um, these are the moments when typically the expert is called to take a look into the code because the suggestion is always, there must be something in the code because it, it worked for a couple of weeks, months and never happened, uh, nothing. So uh, it must be the reason in the code. And then you have two problems. Um, Typically, this is in the, uh, happens in the night shift and the expert is not available or um, the expert is available but is not familiar with the machine because um, he or she needs additional training or must uh, get into the code, so needs uh, additional time. And this is where the debug assistant comes into play. So um, as the name suggests, it, it's an assist assistant. Uh, it's a pair programmer. It's a call it best buddy, whatever. So just... Um, tries to guide the expert um, uh, through the relevant code um, and uh, try to figure out what the most probable section in, in inside the code is. And this can be also in future versions, uh, not only the expert, which can be guided by those systems, but also the, let's say, um, regular operating uh, stuff. So this is uh, basically the idea. And yeah, to, to, so overall as I said, the idea was about um, to uh, on how gen generative AI and automation uh, are painting a whole new picture uh, for the future, where machine does not only do but also uh, talk, create, and um, maybe uh, someday talk uh, to to, uh, to to the operator. So you you're from the tacky domain, right? So maybe you know you double click, as the consultants say sometimes, uh, right? <laughs> on the on the technical solution, right? How 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 did you build it? Uh, have you built it already? Is it integrated or is it currently? And how do you tackle the re reliability of the system, right? Yeah, it's a couple of questions. So the overall idea is um, to you can think of this like. Uh, having a, um, writing a book and um, you have this table of contents in, in, in the beginning and all the chapters and inside the chapters, you have all these footnotes and relationships maybe between um, various uh, chapters because what we wanted to do is to feed the system um, um, with all the code base we have and um, yeah, just let ChatGPT translate this into natural code so into really natural language so mm -hmm. that everybody can understand this and as i said you end up then in a in a kind of like a like a pdf with a um, with a uh, table of contents and um, when you then have a problem like um, like the question um, um my conveyor does not start something like this or i have a problem with the gripper then um, we look first uh, into the table of contents uh, is there a chapter regarding your problem is there a similar word um, uh, here inside and then we try to point you to the place um, where the action is um, executed at the end so um, the system knows everything about the machine it knows how it works and it can articulate this. And um, it can then provide you a kind of um, like a message, um, please debug the sensor, I don't know, X, Y, Z. 
So because this is the workpiece present um, uh, sensor and um, you have to take a look for that. It, it must carry true signal and something like this. And it can also guide you and say, okay, if it is not through the hardware, if everything is okay, maybe th there's a proposal to bridge it somehow so that, th that the con uh, program can continue. So um, this is um, the kind of solution we wanted to build up. And um, regarding if we realize this, not so far, <laughs> to be uh, to be honest, because um, we we have um, we have two parts here. So th the one which I described is uh, the online part, right? So this is where we want to connect to the machine and to get the dynamic data. And we have also the um, offline part, and this is where our um, editors uh, are our software system like tier portal it's programming editors like letter uh, graph 7 and so on and so on and um, we wanted to uh, first uh, check if we can provide uh, code generation uh, mm -hmm. because this is the first step um, in order to yeah towards this uh, how can i say this this framework or to to um, set of tools which you can describe like like industrial um, co-pilots, something like this. And we are concentrating right now on 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 this offline part, to be honest. So mm -hmm. currently, um, we don't have uh, really uh, results on the uh, debug assistant. Yeah, but um, it sounds very very cool and very exciting, but yet uh, complex and uh, time time consuming to tackle that. But um, if you have a look at the impact, so maybe the theoretical impact, the impact you can imagine that that this project, this this is assistant, the debug assistant could actually realize. Um, where what comes to your mind? Yeah, um, see, I'm working here in this um, um, Zematic programming languages uh, department of Tier Portal, so it's SPL, and we provide editors which can be used to write efficient programs. And um, these programs then are downloaded uh, to at, at the end to control the machines, right? So we have a huge impact when it comes to planning and creating uh, these systems. And what we want to do is to reduce time for these processes. So we think um, if the, you know, the, there are these IT-like engineers, yes, uh, they can make use of Gen AI, then uh, why should we do not do the same uh, part on our side, on the OT side. So there's no excuse not to do so. And that's why we want to um, use generative AI in, in order to fulfill these um, targets. So the impact is uh, quite huge when it comes to uh, costs. Uh, we want to reduce costs and also to boost the efficiency. So th then obviously the, the usual question comes, right? Is this a new product or is this just, you know, a mandatory feature that a software development kit in the future needs to hold because no software comes without AI, you know, as, as yeah. part of a plugin, is it? Yeah, we think this is something which is going to be state of the art. So th this is mm -hmm. nothing uh, which, um, yeah, we, we don't know if we can uh, be paid for that because we expect that every uh, customer and competitor will, mm. will have this and will offer these systems. And that's why I think uh, it's very important to yeah, get into the, this topic and to, yeah, to realize, realize this soon. As yeah. soon as possible. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, right? Yeah. And, and so, so if, you, if you would depict the future, if we talk in one year, you know, 
Where, where's where's your idea? Where's your project then? Okay, hopefully, yeah, yeah, hopefully we we are far enough with our offline part. So means uh, that we have uh, established uh, um, a connection to our um, uh, editors. That's that's the first thing um, because this is one component on this way to an industrial mm -hmm. uh, co-pilot. And um, most importantly, we would have considered more programming languages like the graphical interfaces. So we have ladder, function block diagram, graph seven, and all these um, graphical interfaces needs to be also, uh, needs to be translated into natural language by, uh, by, by ChatGPT or other language models, doesn't matter. Because uh, so far we have only experienced um, or oh, first experience with with structured text, which is also used in our uh, projects and on customer side, but mm. uh, we have a far, far higher amount of letter and function blocks and so on, graphical uh, editors and graphical um, uh, code rep representations. So I hope we, um, we can have more uh, of these uh, languages, yeah, um, turned into natural language. That's the one thing. Um, then I hope that we can switch between language models. So because currently we are only, uh, let's say limited, uh, not limited, but we, we, we are only experiencing with ChatGPT because it's, it has a really, really uh, easy to understand interface and it's mm. uh, easy to integrate. Um, and um, yeah, we want to have also the possibility to switch between other language models. And I hope we have a first POC running and maybe also on one of the fairs uh, showing this. And my personal wish uh, for next year, if, if we can talk uh, together, is really to enable as many people and colleagues as possible to be involved in the workflow of using uh, uh, language models and generative AI in their daily work, because this is something uh, we really need. And um, yeah, I would that would, would be my, my, my highest wish. <laughs> Yeah, that would be beautiful. Yeah, I can feel your passion. I can feel your passion for AI and, and language technology and that works out there. Maybe that's a good thing if you're interested in, you know, more input or you have ideas where, you know, such a code assistant documentation or, you know, GPT and AI technology for automation technology can work us, connect with Armin on LinkedIn, you know, let him know. Yeah. He's very active, actually. He shares great, great sharings, by the way. You know, you, you. I want anyone, you know, be connected to that. So coming now from customer interaction, streamlining customer interaction to code, uh, coding capabilities with language models, we come now to the third pillar, actually, a bit of the content synthesis. Yeah, I would say it's even a, a bit of a mixture um, uh, along the line of what is playing a role in simulation. Oh, let's hear about that. Is that already? Yeah, uh, Markus, um, it's time that we also um, get you get you on the stage and get you on the microphone. So first of all, we're super glad to have you. First, uh, thanks thanks a lot for having me. Um, also for the warm introduction, um, even um, naming me a good programmer. Uh, when I hear what Armin is capable of, um, <laughs> I think I have to compete with him. But uh, thanks a lot for the introduction. You're a Formula One coder, right? I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so uh, we already touched upon a little bit on your passion about uh, programming. But now uh, what um, I would be really keen to, to, to know more about is where, w what actually excites you about AI and, I guess, negotiations? 
So first of all about the negotiations. So it's my more or less daily business as being in the strategic procurement. And I really like um, negotiate with dynamic teams, the dynamic in the teams, in the negotiations, in my case with the suppliers is something what makes really fun. And also um, the image of, of, the, of a negotiation is always very conservative and analog in my opinion. And to connecting this then with something like an LLM or a, rich, a real digital solution um, so in my opinion, very unodd and what, what it makes then in the end for me is I more or less figured out when I have more information on the table for a negotiation, um, I'm always in advantage or more or less. And that's the point I'm really fascinating about how much you could or you can prepare for a negotiation, um, to gain advantage, um, against the customer, against the supplier. And that's when I figured out LLM could may help me there um, to summarize it like that. And that's more or less all about my exciting. So th that you need to detangle a bit more. Um, so how, how are you envisioned to use large language models for negotiation? So that you're given a, a target and then you, you say like, you know, GPT, you're a really rude agent now and you want to be tough on me. And then you start, what kind of, you know, how do we, how do we, how do you think this some kind of role play come into a place that can you maybe make it very concrete in an example? So basically that's the idea. So to, to get a starting point, I imagine that the LLM has, um, access to internal data and also to external data and then um, different roles in this role player this environments could be chosen for ex so in my case it would be something like i play the buyer and let the that the llm play the supplier and to concretize it more um For example, you could negotiate about something like a contract. Um, and in the contract are a few terms, something like prices, incoterms, stuff like that. And I could simulate um, this negotiation beforehand and then figure out if um, this, the, the supplier is yeah, has something in his backhand, for example, find argumentations and also find weaknesses in their um, argumentations. And also by simulating it, um, it could also reveal for my side completely new strategies I did not think about. So I could really simulate the whole simulation, I don't know, 50 minutes, something like that with chatting with my supplier, as, uh, is it the LLM? And afterwards also then brainstorm with the LLM about the negotiation we had. So maybe was there aspect, a point um, I did not, get or there's a weakness um, the LLM figured out for example and that's the main the main purpose and also to get to give you a really concrete example how I use it also today um, for example we have as I'm working for mostly spare parts and um, customer services we you can ask ChatGBT um, just by giving it um, two different arguments. So very simplified, I have the argument, it must cost 20 euros and my supplier says 10 euros and you can just simply feed it 
to ChatGPT and then find a compromise or a proposal how we could could meet the middle. It's not about pricing. It's in the end then most something like uh, qualitative things like incoterms, price sliding formulas, or where you have to be very creative um, to pursue your supplier to yeah to get aligned with the contracts. Let's let's say it like this. And there you get really good proposals from ChatGPT or let's call it a solutions then in the end. Yeah, interesting. So how, how do you do it currently? Isn't that uh, these trainings, these, you know, sparrings, are these done currently done by human to human interaction or? So you have something, um, like, um, of course, procurement trainings, negotiation trainings, you're playing roles or role ga uh, games. Um, everyone is getting a sheet of paper and has their their framework on it and then just negotiate more or less to get it. Mm -hmm. But when you have a real negotiation situation about a real topic, um, you are more or less sparing with, uh, or I do it with my colleagues, uh, with Mm -hmm. someone from legal different approaches from from other colleagues um you can just play it through but um the llm could be more or less the same could be another resource of information for me mm -hmm. to um also improve them my preparation mm -hmm. so what what back in the days was the chess right the chess <laughs> trainer is not a exactly trainer. <laughs> exactly <laughs> okay so so me interfacing with procurement should be then, you know, using the same aspects in order to, you know, be better prepared for the discussion that I'm having with you, is it? Because I always you talk about contents and then it's like, yeah, you have to talk afterwards with procurement about that thing again. So okay. Exactly. Would also give you the opportunity to have, yeah, really fast, really, really good arguments mm. to it, especially when you think about having having all the data and having also data from from internals would be very good uh, to have it in the mm -hmm. in the negotiation on really short time and maybe you know because it doesn't seem to be very natural so what is what is marcus what is your relationship with ai how do how, how do you know i think if you're coming from procurement uh, you know building up ai assistants and you know agents and simulation environment is not a natural reflex from you. How, how, what, what is, how do you, you know, how do you, how do you be interested in the, these kinds of stuff then? So basically it is, is a hobby, uh, more or less. Um, I started programming years ago, um, had also then lots of contacts with stable diffusion. All right. I think two years ago when it started, also set it up and, um, was one of the first users then with the LLMs. And um, you more or less grow into it. Um, Siemens gives gives a good environment for it. Mm. Um, also to go beyond and then to develop stuff, even if it's not really my my job, I, I would say to to develop tools or um, pitch tools. Mm. But um, yeah, the framework was so good, and also um, the accessibility to ChatGPT um, with APIs, for example. Um, was provided so early that we could uh, that I could really really go ahead there and and just program a few things and also think about these things but from a job perspective you're right um, 
usually procurement is not known for being the digitalized uh, function uh, hey, hey. in the company. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be so hard on yourself. This is like like this is really cool stuff, and I I really love how um, you really yeah like I mean you come from the field and then you combine the the pain point that you saw there that it might be kind of difficult and at least in some of the negotiations to to convince um, the 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 customer on the other side or the supplier on the other side in your case. And and then you just combined that and developed a negotiation assistant. Like, I mean, that's super cool. I guess I would use it for, for salary negotiations. That, that would be fun, I guess. Um, so... Maybe um, if we um, come back to your to your to your idea to your um, solution, where are you currently standing with uh, with the negotiation assistant? Have you already tested it? Is it already in, in real use? So um, first of all, what was also a long time the barrier was um, the uh, data security. I also had a lot of fears about that because. Um, Typically, you have data from contracts, um, prices, so in the end, strategic data, which we, uh, let's say like this, you, you don't want to read about your own prices in an, uh, in an official LLM, for example, or um, contract solutions from our company. So that was really a point what, what, what hindered me first, um, but it has been... Uh, much more better as when I remember correctly, I think two two weeks ago, um, a virtual assistant also for procurement was was announced and is also live for now that we can use it for internal data. I think with ChatGPT 3.5, and this was a huge huge success in my opinion. That to to give it also to um, yeah normal normal people in, in within Siemens, but currently. Um, it works for me just uh, mostly as a brainstorming um, or ChatGPT mostly works as brainstorming because, um, as I said, the issue is with the data. I um, tried now to summarize or to, to figure out which internal data I want to have in the LLM. And I would say I'm basically finished with that. But the real challenge is, um, first of all, to get this data there may to just give you a taste how painful this is we have mostly excel lists and pdf scan pdfs files and it's a lot of work to to summarize them and then in the end i'm facing the same issue as as the others as well so hallucinating of the llm is a big issue as i can put the data into the llm but for me, it would be very good to know if the warranty is 12 per, uh, months or 18 and not be late then or, or light on maybe it's 16 or something like that. Um, and that's where, in my opinion, it's L the LLMs are not uh, precise, precise enough at this moment. So what I'm currently doing is more or less um, sparing with others in procurement. Um, I've also pitched this negotiation assistant idea to um, um, a challenge we have within procurement. And there we're matching up with a few others and there are really, really good approaches, in my opinion, for example, for selecting new suppliers. And in one of those, I will merge in my idea um, to also have a bigger, bigger team and bigger background 
um, can de develop something like that. Because in the end, um, when you have the solutions for uh, the problems like hallucinating or how to uh, do I get the data into it, then it's more or less my use case is also uh, saluted with that, and it's pretty pretty easy to prog to program, I would say. Yeah, that's um, that's I guess a common common theme we have throughout uh, you know all the cases that reliability and custom data right are the prevailing challenges uh, that you know. Um, it's a bit of hinders, I would say, <laughs> the adoption in terms of productivization, is that right? Yeah, but maybe I can also add something to that because I think our guys from the IT and infrastructure really did a great job. They 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 managed to to um, offer us really solutions where we can um, upload also uh, ACP two uh, level uh, files and information. So. Mm -hmm. um, they did a great job on that, and um, it's possible for us also to, to um, maybe not strictly uh, confidential data, of course, but um, for most uh, use cases, we can use uh, our yeah, instance, um, which is more or less uh, local and is not talking to, to other third parties, and, and it, that's a really good thing. Yeah. yeah, and, and the, uh, there was a m most recently a quote actually from Jan Lecun, who's you know famous dude on on CNN and convolutional nets um, uh, working that matter. Um, he said like GPT suffers the Wikipedia momentum, um, and I think that's an interesting one. That means you know Wik uh, Wikipedia um, made us um, you know made the human feedback in, t in acquiring knowledge into a technical central somehow central platform. Uh, enormous with acceleration right jeopardizing traditional you know knowledge engineering uh, aspects through crowdsourcing of these data and he's referring that you know gpt technology does need this learning from human interaction but if if everybody does it on the individual level on the on their small companion right this is this is not how you teach these large crazy you know um, yeah, yeah. force of agents and i think it's right with regards to you know where we need to rethink uh gpt or let's say well these kinds of large language model technology it needs to be open like open source it needs to be accessible and needs to be somehow crowdsourced you know mm -hmm. uh, human feedback in there because otherwise we'll get just toxic agents uh, yeah, right exactly yeah yeah completely agree so now after Bettina, Armin, Marcus, we're closing the loop uh, also along the impact dimensions, even combining customer account encoding and, you know, tackling a bit of Boris' idea uh, of the copilot to digital manufacturing. Hey, guys. Uh, thanks for having me. Appreciate your time and for inviting me for this awesome chat. So, Bob, where does your passion in AI come from in first place? So I was always interested in, in these magical models, even since my, my bachelor degree. Uh, and I actually started working in Siemens as a student position. And I quickly rolled into this data science position uh, where I eventually decided, I think after two years of work, to pursue more academic-oriented background uh, and do a master thesis uh, on the topic of AI. So indeed, I, I fulfilled my uh, uh, master in AI and data science. Um, I was always interested in how these black boxes work, 
and how we can utilize them to solve great challenges that we face daily. Uh, a lot of our software that we work with that I discovered in Siemens is so complex, it requires such immense amount of, of knowledge uh, from a user to interact with. And I, I always thought that AI could really be uh, beneficial to, to make the usage of these solutions uh, a lot easier. Um, and actually, that actually brings us to this call, I think. Uh, of how we can utilize this ama amazing technology to radically change the way we, we use our products. Yeah, and before we jump into um, the idea that you submitted, your award-winning idea, um, I have a question like for the day-to-day -day heroes at work, for instance, is there any tool, like one of the most powerful AI tools that you can recommend to the audience out there? Anything that you think is like super fun or people should test? Oh, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, ChatGPT? Uh, well, obviously, ChatGPT, <laughs> that's, that's the easy, uh, uh, easy go-to. But recently, we have also DALI, right? Uh, and you also get uh, free or free usage with Bing Creator, so from Microsoft. Uh, and, and you can just make amazing stuff with it. Um, recently, DALI 3 uh, is now up with it. Or I, I'm not sure it's free, but it's relatively free, uh, like 20 uh, euros a month, and then you can get access. And you can actually chat and generate images in a sort of uh, uh, yeah, chat manner. So you can for an input, get an output, uh, and the results are, are really mind-blowing. There's some sense of creativity in these models. So just for fun sakes, right, uh, I would really recommend to play around with that. All right. So what was the law thing you used GPT for? <laughs> That's funny. Um, I'm actually, I'm in the Netherlands, so I live in the Netherlands, uh, and I wanted to, to start understanding the language. Uh, even though Dutch people uh, speak relatively good English, so you don't honestly find it in the street so necessary. But still, I started uh, my uh, uh, language courses, and uh, I'm still learning. So uh, I use ChatGPT to verify my answers, and it corrects me on grammar and spelling mistakes in Dutch. So actually, no I think was, yeah, that was the last thing I used it for. It's it's an amazing tool, right? Uh, it can do so much stuff. So then we obviously were excited to learn more about the idea, right? The digital manufacturing co-pilot that can recommend action by making use of NLP. That sounds very, very generic, but also very, very, you know, aspiring. So yeah. why does the world need another co-pilot? And what are the typical use cases you enable with that? Yeah, uh, thanks for the question. I think that the current technology has a capability to drastically change the way our users work with our software. So right now, it requires a lot of uh, effort, sometimes manual actions, to go through a workflow uh, utilizing our software. Uh, by using AI, by using ChatGPT or other foundation models or something that we will develop in-house, we can radically change the way a user would work with our system. Rather than... Um, applying a workflow in a repeated manner, sometimes doing mundane tasks and thinking, man, I wish that someone could do this for me uh, or this part of the workflow. And I'll just utilize my knowledge to, to solve the problem. And I won't have to go through elaborate steps. Um, I believe that 
the technology that we see nowadays with ChatGPT can facilitate that, can actually do that. And this is what we, we are aiming for now. Uh, and Yuli, you mentioned you know, our, our initial winning of the competition was half a year ago, and we've been working diligently uh, on this use case. And we see immense potential there. So this is the, the incentive to working with, with these models and how they can, yeah, what can they do for our solutions. So more specific, if we double click as a learned as an expression right on it, what does the technical architecture look like, at least roughly? So what, uh, how can we, how, how, how are you approaching that from a technology perspective then as well? I think the go-to now when people work with ChatGPT, uh, not necessarily ChatGPT, but any LLM model, the first thing you do is use WAG, which is Retrieval Augmented Generation. In essence, it means that we uh, take a look at our closely related data set, right? uh, the one that we have in our midst. Maybe we generated it by synthetical manners. Maybe we got some interesting data from some source. Uh, and that data holds the ground truth, or at least what it is that we want to output. We take that data. We pass it to an embedding layer so we can quickly retrieve it, search for it. There are various manners to do so. Uh, and then we also include in that embedding uh, the, let's say, the wisdom, the wisdom of the engineer. And we do that by uh, documentation, public or private, if we have access to that. Um, and we feed all of this into the model. Now, the input from the user would be a, a natural language question. And from the embedding information that, that we have, um, we can retrieve the most relevant information for the question, feed it to the large language model to provide us with an answer. This is how we um, strengthen the response of vanilla ChatGPT mm -hmm. to our use cases. I would say this is the go-to uh, nowadays, and and most a lot of the work is not in the modeling stage because the modeling is is quite easy in a way, right? Uh, we we use RAG, like I said, we do embeddings, all good. But the pre-processing is an issue. How do we take in our various modalities, uh, our difficult modalities? Sometimes it's not raw text. Sometimes it's uh, it's some sort of weird 3D CAD model with uh, mm -hmm. thresholds and constraints, maybe some additional textual information, maybe a graphical representation. It could differ. Um, how do we take that? And how do we feed that into a large language model? So those are the major questions that we're thinking of. And we're also thinking about evaluation. It's also some of the challenges. So you got an output, all right, but we're talking about the engineering domain. Our users are expecting something which is robust, which is correct. We cannot be creative and give something that doesn't work. So this is part of our emphasis, to make sure that the output that, that we get from the model is accurate um, and, and not uh, rubbish. And it's the, the output. So um, language models are very good in terms of translating, right? Still, right? Input, you know, having some kind of foundation models, made it maybe multimodal representations, and you generate the output. The output is on your, in your case, also text actions, or is it APIs, or is it graphs, or what is the output? Could be anything. Okay. The initial idea of the, the what we call the DM copilot, the digital manufacturing copilot, uh, we thought it could be so many things, right? Uh, you can think of a smart agent that can now communicate with our software. You can plug in natural text, and boom, you got your workflow done or called for using API calls. Mm -hmm. uh, you can think of cogeneration use mm -hmm. cases, sometimes even in our software, 
you need to write specific code to work with it. Um, so that is something that uh, LLM can take care of. Uh, and you can also think of generation of 3D, 2D. Everything is on the table. Everything could be done. So uh, I mean, the options are really limitless in a way. And that sounds uh, very powerful as well. Um, what I would be very interested in, in learning is, so you, you mentioned that you've been working very hard on this and it also seems like it can create a massive impact. So um, can you maybe just guide us like briefly through your past months, like how, what really changed since, since you submitted the idea and where are you today? And maybe also, maybe you, you can share a glimpse of what you're planning for, for the next months for the future. So what changed is that uh, we selected a couple of really prominent use cases that could change the way our users inter interact with our solutions. Um, and with joint work between SW and uh, XO, XO is an accelerator group within Siemens, we started by uh, thinking of building a foundation model for the world of digital manufacturing uh, and other, other domains within that interest Siemens uh, of prominent use cases that could use some uh, uh, radicalization, let's call it this way. Uh, so this is an ongoing partnership that we have uh, between ourselves and Microsoft. So this is a, this is a partnership that, that we're now having uh, where we, we selected a couple of prominent use cases. And indeed, the one that I mentioned and that it led us to win the competition is one of these use cases. And that specifically focuses on uh, the world of machining. So how mm -hmm. do you take a CAD module mm -hmm. uh, and within a click of a button, machine that CAD module? Um, mm -hmm. That workflow is super complex nowadays. It has to go through several stages, several layers. What if we can utilize a foundation model uh, that would assist the user in solving that entire task uh, immediately? Now, we should get our expectation in, in a certain scope. Uh, ChatGPT or GPT models or foundation models are fantastic in giving suggestions. Everyone that worked with an LLM before, ChatGPT, knows that it makes mistakes. It's not perfect. We should not expect perfection. What we should expect is indeed a co-pilot. This is why everyone is talking about the co-pilot. A smart assistant that understands the domain, that has innate knowledge of the problem, it could guide a user to their ultimate destination, whatever that may be. In the world of machining, we look at the 3D design, and we want to machine that design. If we're thinking about CNC machines, then we place a certain blank material around that design, and we say, come on make the suggestion, which tools should I use? Which operations should I use? Mm -hmm. um, this process nowadays is uh, you have a user, an expert in the system that knows what they're doing, and they go through the workflow to complete the machining process. What if we can have a smart assistant that understands this domain and can assist the user in making the correct recommendation in each individual step of the workflow, or even more in a more powerful way, look holistically at the entire problem, say, we get a CAD, boom, here's the entire program. Now you tell me where I got it wrong, as the LLM, right? Where I got it wrong, what do I need to correct? Um, and this could change the way people think of this issue. And this is not the only use case to work on. We're working on several use cases, 
But this is indeed uh, um, the prospect, how we look at this. All of you have achieved something really notable, and not only by rocking this contest, uh, but maybe also from based on your experience. Can you share any advice for the curious minds out there, you know, of one short piece of advice, you know, and learnings you've made through your journey in this crazy organization, but also aspiring to be, you know, innovating in the space? So maybe round up, Bettina, first? Sure. I would say as impossible as it might be in the first place, you will always find somebody that is as crazy as you in an organization, form an alliance, rally the troops of the willing that are equally eager to do something innovative. And then when you form the little squad, it's like a seed and then you, you can grow it from there. All right. I mean... Yes, I would say get your hands dirty. <laughs> so that means um, there's a playground available. Uh, try out, uh, figure out, get familiar with prompt engineering because this is very important uh, in order to yeah, get in contact with um, language models and also with future models. So that would be my advice. Stay curious. Great. Marcus? My advice is that um, I faced a lot. Don't get... Uh, too technically in a few things may just accept that the LLM works like it works. Um, I had the issues trying to understand um, how the vectoring works, for example, but really think about the LLM as your as a role you could give it um, to it and then it works as a role to you and as a language model and without being too technical. Bar. Explore and learn. Uh, the field that, that we're working on now, AI field, uh, changes the world. The world is, go is going to be completely different 10 years from now. Um, I think this year, 79,000 articles were submitted into archive. I think that's times 10 or 15 than a decade ago. The advances that we make in the world of AI is amazing we we grow exponentially in order for you to be part of the journey if you're interested you have to explore and learn all the time you cannot stay where you are you have to read you have to learn you have to try things out you have to think outside of the box and see how those amazing solutions that everybody's talking about can assist you that would be my advice thanks so much everyone and Time was really flying. I think we could have probably have a, had an episode with each one of you. Um, but to, to cut it short here, um, I would like to play our, our favorite game with you, Authentic Autocomplete. We had it before ChatGPT was a thing, just, just saying. Um, so for the closing, I would like you to give you a couple of sentence starters and I would um, ask you to finish. And um, maybe, yeah, maybe um, Bettina, you start with uh, ChatGPT is... A plethora of opportunities. Beautiful. Um, then maybe Armin, LLMs are? Oh, they are this one friend which has always a good answer. And sometimes it lies, but only to make you happy. 
something. <laughs> <laughs> like a really good friend, I guess. Yes, I would say so, yeah. Okay, uh, Marcus, the next one is LLMs for sustainability are... A great way to um, reveal a lot of potentials um, to succeed uh, better sustainability. Well, that was to the point. And Bar, <laughs> uh, last but not least, Siemens is... Siemens is the best engineering uh, company in the world. Okay, perfect. And I think, Uli, you've got one for each one of them. Yeah, I would say, you know, if uh, maybe a short one for everybody here. Um, if I could invent, as a you, if you could invent one rule for everyone in the world to follow, it would be? Maybe reverse now. Marcus, what is your rule to rule the world? That's a tough one, is it? Huh? Mm, yes, it is a tough one. Treat the others as you have been treated. All right. Armin? I would go with my slogan, which is ask, learn, share. And uh, really ask, ask, ask. Sometimes you get in trouble just because you don't know. So <laughs> that's why ask always. Then uh, learn, stay curious, um, be open-minded. Um, yeah. And uh, share your knowledge at the end. So that's a couple of rules, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Bettina, how about you? Yeah, Armin said it all. Oh, sorry. So. <laughs> sorry for that. <laughs> no worries. Um, I would say um, if I drill it down to the essence, be kind, be curious. That's nice. That's a good one, yeah. And the final goes with bar. Be a good person. To the point. So, so thank you much, Bettina, Armin, Marcus, and Bar for being set open and that passion and being, you know, that innovative actually in sharing with us our little podcast, um, your ideas and your very real ideas. We are super curious how it develops along the months and weeks and, and maybe hopefully also catching up next year on the impact um, you, you made. And folks, and startups out there connect on LinkedIn with these folks. Tell tell what you like, what you what we can improve, um, and obviously you know stay tuned. There is a lot more to come. Stay bold, committed, and open minded. And we hear us at the next Siemens AI Lab podcast. Cheers. Mm -hmm.